Welcome back to the College Football Uncensored Podcast, brought to you by Saturday Down South. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me, as always, my co-host, partner in crime, Chris Marler. Chris, Bama got themselves another Heisman Championship they today. Did. Or it yesterday. did happen. Um, yeah, it was a very excited weekend. Honestly, I was, man. For whatever reason, I think just because when you grow up like watching, uh, like I mean, I grew up in the '90s, and so Bama was not great for one. Um, we had a couple Heisman finalists. I think like '94, you had Barker and Sherman Williams. '93, you had uh, David Palmer, the Deuce, who I dressed up as for Halloween. Uh, told him that at media days, it's an African American receiver. Um, and I was a seven-year-old white kid. We looked nothing alike. He was not impressed. Um, so there was that. And then Sean Alexander was another one. But yeah, it was. Um, I thought I thought it was really cool just because of the fact that uh, Bryce was so well spoken. He did have one comment that was dumb as hell, which we'll get into. Um, but I was. Uh, I was, It was really cool. I, I, was, I was excited. Yeah, man. Um, first time in a while we haven't had games, which is always depressing, and, and it gives us a look into the future. But bowl, bowl season will be fun, and that starts, what, this coming weekend. So we'll get yep. back into games. We'll have games throughout December into January, including the playoffs. So we will have um, podcasts definitely talking more about those games and how you should bet them and things like that. But uh, also slow, slow weekend. Army Navy. Oh, that's true. I didn't even get to watch it, unfortunately. What? Why not? Because you hate America? No, I love America. Yeah, me too. Uh, were you able Can to watch start- it? I was able to watch it. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was a good game, too. By the way, you know the under in that game is 41. It's hitting 41 of the past 51 meetings. Yeah, the the Service Academy unders, uh, I've learned this year was like a trend that you just basically, if you bet 10 times, you'll probably win at least nine of them. That's crazy. Did it go under? Um, it did. It started out not looking that way at all. So that was kind of cool. Uh what was the other thing I was going to tell you? So I also had an um, interesting Friday night, which I feel like I have to tell you and our listeners. Uh, I went out with some friends in Atlanta. And I'm, I'm telling this story because it's, it's kind of funny. And it will be funny one day. In the moment, it was fucking awful. But I went out to go meet with some friends. Um, and it ended up being the situation of where they were trying to set me up with someone. Mm. So it was like my first dating type of situation since the breakup. And how did it go? What, how do you think it would have gone? Uh, did you find out when you like arrived? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did. And so I'm guessing it got awkward at some point. It did. And I'll tell you when. Uh, it was um, right away? a moment. Not right away. Uh, I slow played it. No, so it was It was like, it ended up going like pretty well. Um, like nothing like super serious, but just went over like pretty well. It was like nice to like, you know, I guess, I don't know, be in that situation a little bit. So a couple of us went back to her house to get like Ooh, another drink. This sounds like it's going to get And have wild. a massive orgy. <laughs> Um, no, a couple of us went back to her places, like, you know, have like another drink. We walked in and she let her dog out and it was a Corgi named Pepper. And, uh, I know a lot of you are probably thinking, I'm sure Chris handled that really like 
fine and just took it in stride. And you'd be wrong because I had a massive fucking meltdown and a panic attack and had to leave. Breaking news, by the way. Don't mean to. Okay, cool. Glad I brought this up. Mm -hmm. Bo Nix, transfer portal. He's been in the transfer portal. No, he just just got into it. No, he's been in the transfer. Okay. No, he hasn't. He said he, he, he may. But anyways, continue. Well, that was the whole story, Tyler. You, uh, you talked right over the climax of it with Bo Nix news, which also feels like a metaphor for how awful it went. Um, it was bad. It was real bad. Well, you know, it's, uh, you just got to get at bats. You know, it's like, it's like playing baseball. You're a baseball player. Just the more, the more, more bats you get, the better chance there is for a home run, you know? That's not really how my career went, but yeah, um, I like the positivity. It's also, also a possibility for more strikeouts. Just depends depends on how good I, of a batter you are. Would you consider the panic attack a strikeout? Like, because as soon as that fucking thing came out of its crate, I was like, it was. Um, it was triggering. It was just bad. It was very triggering. Yeah, it was very triggering. And I like, you know, I, I'm sure that might sound dumb to some people, and maybe it is. I don't know. It was. It was somewhat funny. Um, but yeah, it was just a fucking nightmare. It was not great. Uh, well, let's move on to uh, natural, natural, seamless <laughs> natural transition. Movie. Yeah, there is no one sadder than Marlo this week. That that is out of the way. All right. Well, um, there was some debate deep in the Facebook group chat over the weekend that uh, some people felt like Bryce Young didn't deserve the Heisman. Um. So well, yeah, let's get into go- the Heisman part first of like, just what, like, did you have a problem with any of those finalists? Cause we didn't really talk about it since we didn't do we, a we, second. Podcast. Yeah, we did. It, yeah. We talked about it on the spaces, which by the way, if you guys don't follow us on Twitter, uh, go do that. Um, we went on, we went live on Twitter spaces on Wednesday. It was, it was cool. We had, you know, at any given point over a hundred people listening. So it was, uh, mm-hmm. for our first time, it was pretty fun. Um, you know, the only thing I, I think, all the QBs that were there were deserving, but you know, and Aiden Hutchinson had a good end to the year. We talked about this on the Twitter spaces. His overall stats were still not as good as Will Anderson and uh, you know some of the other defenders. So, and if, if I saw correctly, he fin- ended up finishing second. Is that right? Did yeah. Um, and honestly, his numbers were only second to like Will Anderson. Will right? Anderson, right? Um, yeah, like I, I didn't really have an issue with the finals. I was surprised that they only took four. And, and I didn't know this either. So all of the balloting is has to be turned in by Monday at 5 p.m. So okay. when they have like, when they make the announcement for the finalists, which is usually that Monday around six at the six o'clock sports center, I guess they technically already have the results in. Um, so like, I guess... They announced the final, they announced the four. And, I, and I'm trying to think because I, I don't have it in front of me, but like the finalists over the past couple of years, like they, they've, I usually feel like it's like three to five, right? And that's like a pretty standard thing. Am I wrong about that? Yeah. I'm okay. on the NCAA website. Um, and I, they're only listing, it looks like they've only, they're only listing three, which I know I've seen one where there's been like five kids sitting there. So I don't know why they're doing that on the NCAA website. Probably because everything they do sucks. Sure. But um, yeah, like even here, um, they just list Bryce Young, Aiden Hutchinson, and Kenny Pickett. Okay, so here, here I, I just found it. Um, last year they had four. Year before they had four. Year before they had three. Twenty seventeen they had three. They had last time they had five was twenty sixteen. 
Um, yeah, so I guess I was wrong about that. They even had, uh, let's see here, they had three the year before that and the year before that. They had six in 2013, three again. Okay, so I was way off on that. It's it's usually, I guess, three to five. There's been a couple of times it's been six. Fine. I didn't understand why Will Anderson was invited. Well, yeah, I mean, that's he should have at least been there. Uh, and I'm, I was shocked that Hutchinson finished second, honestly. I mean, yeah, that's kind of fair. Like, we've talked about this on this podcast. I was kind of worried that Kenny Pickett wasn't going to make it. And he was a thousand percent one of the top four deserving players in the country that d- at least deserved a trip to New York. Um, Some people say he should have won. Yeah. And that's so, like, the Will Anderson thing was, I think, like, the most surprising to me just because of the fact that it's like, all right, this kid, I said it like on a couple times last week, he had 32 and a half tackles for loss. And I, and I said it was like the most in the last 10 years in college football. It was the most all time in college football history. Which is good. Very good. And he led the country in sacks. So I just, it didn't, if you're going to invite Hutchinson, who had a great year and, and by all means came on late and like had a, or a great close of the season, I wouldn't say came on, came on late, but had a great close of the season. I just feel like if you're going to invite him, you invite somebody that outperformed him at the same position. Yeah. Well, um, regardless, neither one of them would have won. Um, Bryce well, Young did win, but there were some people, I don't know. Do you want to get into this about the argument about Pickett yeah. versus Young? All right. So here's the, here's the, like, here's a look at the Heisman, like from a distance. Okay. Um, there's 928 total voters. They break it down into six regions. There's 145 total voters in each region. Uh, and then there's also the past winners, right? I think there's 58 total past winners that are still alive. Um, so that that's like how the whole thing is broken down. Okay. Um, you have the, the, the criteria is it's not how valuable a player was to a team's success. It's just if the player had performed at the highest level throughout the season. So basically just select the most outstanding player in college football. And we, I don't think we talked about this, um, on last week's episode, but we talked about it on the, on the spaces, like you mentioned, there was one voter from, uh, East Lansing, Michigan. So his, he voted for Kenneth Walker. Uh, as at number two, I think he had Bryce Young at number one. And this thing has become such a quarterback driven award. It's been, you know, a lot of times best player on the best team is what people will say. I don't think it's necessarily, you see Baker Mayfield, you, you see, um, you see Baker Mayfield, like when he won it, you see, uh, the way that like, like Tyler Murray, same thing, Joe Burrow, of course he, he deserved to win it. Right. So I don't, I didn't have like any issue with that. Like, I think, I think that was like a very deserving quarterback and he was the best player on the best team that just ends up being, you know, Devonta Smith, same thing. It just ends up being kind of more of like a coincidence more than anything. Most outstanding player. I, I, I guess um, what this guy was saying was Will Anderson was left off at his ballot completely. And most people didn't get a chance to see Will Anderson play. And, or that like the voters weren't like sophisticated enough to know that he was one of the best players in the country. And he said, that's the problem with like the Heisman trophy, because, you know, not everyone in the country gets a chance to see this guy play. If you're going to, if you're going to make the argument that you didn't see anyone from Alabama play football or have the opportunity to, that's not a great argument. I feel like. 
they were on they were on like national television 10 out of 13 games so just say you didn't watch the games or just football in general probably at that point right so he said he ends up making his vote for um kenneth walker completely understandable kid is was phenomenal also he's up there covering him but it kind of speaks to what we've said several times about how it's like a very regionally biased award that being said he ends up um obviously bryce young wins it but there's just been always it seems like there's always been some issues with the voting in in general right like would you agree with that yeah i mean it anything i i don't always agree with the american idol winner you know yeah who'd you who's your biggest issue philip phillips i, I was a big philip phillips guy um adam lambert great example you know guy's okay. an absolute machine he ends up in second to chris allen what are we doing chris allen only had one good song you gotta live like you're dying love it um no i don't I mean honestly when philip phillips won it's when i lost my entire uh belief in the american uh just democracy and voting system in general so i agree with what you're saying um anyway i like this isn't to go over like to defend will anderson or, or like have bama bias but i like i think it's an interesting topic every year because it does seem to get worse and worse like we we've talked about before if you're sending in your ballot before the like the championship games are even played why do you have a vote and my issue with this guy was why do you have a vote if if you if you haven't gone out of your way to watch all the players and if you're not gonna take it seriously because it's the most prestigious individual award in sports it's the most recognizable trophy in in all of sports it's the most prestigious individual award in all of sports why would you not take it seriously so i mean connor talked about this the other day like his brother covered ball state and and he had a vote and he was like why do i have a vote i cover ball state like this is a weird thing so I just, I, I was surprised because I, I feel like it was, it's sometimes not really carried out with the um, the best, I don't know, follow through or whatever you want to say, right? Yeah. So there's 600, or sorry, 928 voters. Um, That's a lot of voters, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Do we really also, need 928 people to vote for this? No. <laughs> oh, and by the way, you know that, that like there's never been over 95.1% of like there's never been a winner that was on over 95.1% of the ballots, which means that mm -hmm. like Joe Burrow was left off of 5% of ballots completely. That yeah, blows my mind. Yeah. That's you know what I mean? Crazy. Like that's yeah, it's yeah. Just a bizarre thing to me. And so Bryce Young ends up getting 684 first place votes. Um, it's the seventh. He had the seventh most points ever, which is 2,311 uh, points. He had the 10th most first place votes ever eighth most of the modern era he was on 836 ballots so he was left off of 10.1 percent i'm sorry 9.9 percent .9 of ballots he, he was left off of 92 92 people filled out their fucking heisman list and said he was not a top three contender strange i i don't anyway it was the 10th highest uh margin of victory um all that stuff I, like what what was your takeaway from the awards like uh, the I don't know, the voting, any of that. You don't seem to be nearly as bothered by it as I am. Well, <clears throat> I think a lot swung Bryce's way in the last week, which is maybe people just have their minds made up beforehand. I mean, he was good all year, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think Bama, just given Georgia's dominance, like Bama somewhat became like a, not an afterthought, but just 
they probably weren't looked at as high upon throughout the year until the right. very last week, which I think was what really gave Bryce, plus having an unbelievable game, no doubt. Um, and that's why I think, you know, uh, I'm not shocked to see Kenny Pickett not get the love. Like, I think he should have been above Aiden Hutchinson. Um, it's because he just was never, you know, Pitt, they won the ACC, but they were just, nobody cares about the ACC right now because none of the teams in it are very good. Um, and so I think people just kind of threw him in there, looked at his numbers, and he had a phenomenal year. Yeah. Um, yeah, le- leaving Bryce Young completely off the ballot is pretty inexcusable, honestly, but... As would be leaving uh, Kenny Pickett, in my opinion. Right, right. But, you know, you look at it. I mean, you got people that are are voting that cover, like you say, Ball State. You know, sometimes right. you wonder if there's just personal biases in there, and that's that that goes towards 5% of the ballots or whatever it may be. Yeah. Or I mean, I, I think we end. get it right most years. I mean, there's not <laughs> – look, I'm looking at the list now of the, the, you know, top three finishers every single year. It's tough to argue against any of the winners. Yeah, I mean, I would completely agree with that. And again, like, this isn't like to slander Kenny Pickett or say that he wasn't deserving because he definitely was deserving of. I would have voted for him over over Aiden Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if I was voting, it would have been Will Will Anderson, Bryce Young, and Kenny Pickett. And I understand that that looks bad to people that um, would you know accuse me of being like a homer or whatever. But I think that those were the top three players in the country throughout the season. I mean, Pickett had forty eight touchdowns. Um, which was second most of the country. Uh, you know, his numbers were were similar to Bryce Young. Um, I guess where I was surprised is, again, so Anderson's left at home. Anderson ends up having the third most uh, second place votes. Or, I'm sorry, the third most first place votes of anyone in the country uh, behind Hutchinson and behind Bryce Young. The Hutchinson thing blows my mind. Listen, and maybe it's one of those things where you overthink it. I remember last year when I was filling out my all American list for like the football writers association, I did what I do sometimes. And I went way too much into a deep dive and I <laughs> voted for Josh Job over Patrick Sertan. I, I was like, PFF said, these numbers are fucking legit. <laughs> and to this day, I'm like, that is a fucking terrible job of you doing your job, Chris. I, so maybe it was something like that. Um, I was shocked if there if there's 78 people that voted for Hutchinson, I'm shocked that there was only, you know, 31 that voted for uh, for Will Anderson. The the debate, I guess, that we would have is with with Pickett because I think somebody brought this up in the Facebook group. Like you said, it was just like honestly, it should have gone to Pickett. He had he had way less talent around him, which is a valid argument, right? Um, way less talent around him. Well. For the most part, he did have Jordan Addison, who won the Boitnikoff. Glad you brought that up because that was not uh, that was not one of the arguments that was made. Um, <laughs> he did have the best receiver in the country, apparently. Uh, not Jameson Williams, obviously not Mechie. So I thought, yeah, that was kind of interesting. And then, like you break down, I didn't realize how good CJ Stroud's numbers were. Him being oh, yeah. there on one of the top offenses is, you know, like kind of enough said. But like he had a better QBR. He had a better like he had the number one QBR in the country. He had a better passer rating than, than both Bryce and uh, what do you call it? Pickett. He had like more yards per attempt, all that kind of stuff. Um, but you look at Bryce's numbers and all three of these guys ranked in like nearly like in the top 10 and everything, basically in the top five and in, in most things. But I think the argument that was thrown out there was, well, Pickett had less talent. Uh, and also he had better numbers, which what I always say is a simple Google. Um, 
would show you that wasn't accurate. He had, he had less passing yards. He had less passing touchdowns. He had one more total touchdown. Uh, he had, what was it? Less yards per attempt, uh, lower completion percentage. Like it, it was lower in every, almost every single statistical category across the board. I, so I was, I was kind of surprised by that. Um, and I think the thing, what was thrown out there was like, well, he, he, he had to carry his team. He played against the 66th ranked strength of schedule in the country. Bryce played against four. He only played two ranked teams all year. And we played one defense in the top 40. Clemson's. Yeah. Which was the number two defense in the country, to yeah. be fair, scoring defense. Um, and his numbers were his, like, again, like really good and, and deserving. And I think that even like most years, they would rank in the top 10, top 11 in, in most years compared to like, you know, historical uh, Heisman numbers. But when you look at the breakdown, like the, what each did against ranked teams and granted the sample size is smaller for, for Kenny Pickett, but Bryce just lit up like just the world when it came to playing against like ranked teams and ranked competition, um, especially in comparison to like his, his games against unranked teams. And that's what I thought was the biggest thing. Like almost every number went down for Pickett against ranked teams versus his unranked teams. And you look at Bryce, like, I mean, he had almost a hundred yards more a game uh against ranked teams versus unranked teams he had higher yard per attempt by over like a full yard he had a, a like i think it was the exact same completion percentage he had a higher passer efficiency rating more um total yards per game more yards per play it, like in all of those ranked in the top 10 in heisman history um so i was just surprised like do you think it was more Bam, like I hate to say this, but like Bama fatigue and people just didn't want to see him win is he did come on late and this was a wide open year. Or do you think it was like, it was valid that Pickett should have. No, I, I've, I would have had Bryce Young as my number one. I mean, I, I think when you look at, especially to me, it was between him and Stroud going into the, to the weekend Stroud obviously didn't have a game, which mm. hurts him. Um, I guess it could have helped him if Bryce would have had a bad game, but to to go out against that defense, that Georgia defense, who you know many people have claimed is the best they've seen in quite some time. That was me, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and make it look like it was just like the easiest game in the world for him. I mean, that to me sealed it. I I, I think it's you got to be pretty disingenuous to to sit here and try to tell people that he didn't deserve to win the Heisman. I mean, yeah, there weren't a ton of like huge standouts. I mean, you think about the quarterback classes coming to the NFL this year. I would not want the number one pick this year. I know. I mean, well, it would go to Hutchinson, I think, which is. Yeah. Deserving. And the lions look at Michigan, you know, there you go. Um, that, oh, I didn't think about that, but, um, but I mean, th- think about that. Like if you need a QB, who are you going to draft in this, in this draft? Like next year is going to be awesome. Cause it'll be Bryce, CJ Stroud, among others. Um, right. Probably, I think both kids from uh, Oklahoma will be eligible. Rattler, yeah. I mean, he was eligible this year, but Corral, I mean, I mean, Corral's not eligible this year. I, yeah, see, that's what I mean. That like, are you gonna? Is that, he's like, gonna be the first guy? I don't know. Like, he only had twenty passing touchdowns this year. Did you know that? When you look back at the season now, and and you know, we were all over Corral, obviously, all year. Right. He put up a lot of those big numbers against teams that weren't great. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of fair. Um, but, uh, yeah. So congrats to Bryce young. Um, you know, when you talk about guys that took advantage of the new NIL rules this year, um, you look at him and then you look at a guy like 
Quinn Ewers, who yeah. got paid and then dipped, and now he's going to Texas. He's going to Texas? Yeah, he just committed today. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, um, I will say the, the one dumb part, because, and this is the one thing I will, I will give Bryce Young shit about. His speech was great. Um, he did say something about how he, he felt like that he was always doubted. And he started off by saying like, cause he, you know, as an African-American quarterback and, and, you know, a, a couple other examples because of his size, obviously it, it, by the way, like he looked miniature compared to everyone else that was there. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, but him being doubted, I mean, he was the number two player in the country coming out of high school. Right. Like, I mean, he was, yeah. I remember like the way they described him was that he was a more transcendent quarterback and prospect than Tua was. Yeah. I was like, well, so that was, that was surprising. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's always doubted, you know? Right. Always, always. <laughs> um, so I was kind of surprised by that. Cause that was not the, the, the best, uh, I don't know, take on his, on his own ability. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, I, it was, it was still, uh, I don't know what's the best way to put it. Going, going into like the year when you have a million dollar endorsement, like you're one of the first people to sign and you get a million dollars, which is what is rumored. I don't think Pickett got that. I don't think uh, the people that gave him a million dollars were doubting his abilities at all. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> no matter how big he was. Um, the other thing I'll say too, is the winner of the, like the real winner of the whole night was Aiden Hutchinson's mom. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we don't want to get too creepy, but yeah, it, that's good. Lower your voice and talk closer into the mic. <laughs> um, so as we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, you know, the, the NCAA football is now becoming the NFL football where the off the, the field stuff is going to dominate the headlines, whether it's in season, out of season, waiting on bowl season. And there's just shit happening left and right. Um, we just had yeah. the breaking news of Bo Nix. You got Quinn Ewers going to Texas now. Um, you got Spencer Rattler perhaps coming to the SEC. Um, Love that. So rumors, uh, I don't know, is it official that he's visiting South Carolina? There's rumors that he may be given the connection with Shane Beamer when Beamer was at Oklahoma. At this point, I don't know what's official and what's not official, like even in my own life. So I don't think I'm the best person to, to ask. I will okay. say um, I, what I think I saw was that he was going to be there from Monday and Tuesday on his visits, which I'm assuming is going to be like kind of like a whirlwind. You know, it, it's almost like, you know, being like in the early signing period out of high school. See, South Carolina to me, like that's a that's a school that I think could take a chance on Spencer Rattler. Like there's not much to lose. You think they there. would take a chance on him? Yeah. I think South Carolina would take a chance on the former number one player in the country. Yeah. I mean, you've seen the guy interact with people, right? Like he, he's a potential true, yeah. problem for the for the roster. Right. Um You know, if you're a I don't know, like a Texas where you you're trying to make a comeback like that's not the guy that you you want signing on I think to like start a new era because sure. um, he's, he's got all the talent in the world it's just uh you know not the not the best guy or allegedly right. I guess I should say I don't know him um but I mean we'll see if South Carolina makes that move that'd be a huge get for them clearly mm -hmm. um we'll see where Bo Nix ends up you know um but there's been a lot of movement in the coaching world as well. Yeah. Um, so, 
kind of funny. So, so what was it? Friday news breaks that Dan Lanning is going to Oregon chip towers of the AJC breaks this and immediately Oregon denies it. Georgia denies it. Lanning denies it. Bruce Feldman comes out. He's like, this is not true. And of course now it is true. Um, Clearly, Towers got dragged. For yeah. Oh, dude, Not I would great. be I'd be beating my chest left and right if I was him. Yeah. Um. Now, clearly, Georgia, a you know everything with the signing day this week probably didn't want that getting out yet. Right. Um. That's a really good point. You know, you also had the uh, you know, you're preparing for a playoff, so you don't need distractions like your coach. You know, I don't know if he would stay on. Cause I mean, that's another three weeks. Like, yeah, I guess you can't really get on the recruiting trail for Oregon. If you're, if national signing day is on Wednesday. So, um, but that's huge. I mean, for, for landing it's, I mean, talk about a quick move up the, the ladder. I yeah. mean, he was, uh, he was actually Memphis's D coordinator um, with Norvell Florida state's quarterback and then moved over to Georgia was uh, outside linebackers coach for a year. Then he moved to DC for yeah, two years 35 he's 35 he's like a week younger than i am um he, like what do you think his living situation is you think it's better than mine i don't know it's tough to say you know going to the pacific northwest is expensive up there so maybe not he's moving to the worst state in the country we all know that <laughs> um and also like the fact that you know this was originally reported i see that wasn't happening and then it was and you can't really trust anything coming out of that state we as we know so that was kind of par for the course um how long is Interesting he move coach? though. This came out of nowhere. Um, he so starting in twenty. What I'm looking at, like first on field position, I didn't know he was a GA at Bama. By the way, I didn't know that either. So he was GA at Arizona at, at Pitt for a year. GA at Arizona State, which is probably where he met Norvell. Then he became the recruiting coordinator at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Then he popped over to um, Sam Houston State for a year. Yeah. Um, then went to Bama's GA, Memphis, uh, and then Georgia, and now Oregon. And this was this came out of the blue, and I, I was kind of shocked. It seems like an interesting fit. I mean, the guys from I think Missouri. Um, not a lot of West Coast ties. He is trying to. And I saw he's trying to hire um, Florida State's offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham, who is from the West Coast, um, and they coached together at Memphis. But. That makes uh, sense. Yeah, man, it could be. I mean, I think he's a great recruiter. Um, clearly, Georgia's defense outside of that last game was elite this year and still is. And has, um, yeah, has been for the last. I mean, obviously, last year they had a lot of injuries, but they were also number one in the country the year before that. Um, I can't remember if they were in 2018, but I feel like they were at least up there. I mean, like the, the, he's he's been. Actually, he might not even been there in 2018, right? 2018. Yeah. He was at Georgia, but he was in the DC. Right. But I mean, him and Kirby have been a phenomenal team. And it's good. It's yeah. interesting that you brought the fact that he was like, you know, first thing was that he was a good recruiter because that's obviously mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that wins, um, especially when you're going to be going up against Lincoln Riley out there mm-hmm. at USC, who's say what you want to about Lincoln Riley. And that, that could be like a really fun, you know, kind of like war going on out there because it, it we always assume it's going to be those two teams mm-hmm. that it's, you know, that are going to be competing for the Pac-12 championship. And we haven't really, you know, it hasn't been as bad as like, no offense, Florida State, Miami, where it's been that, 
like yeah. different from our expectations, but at the same time, like having Lanning being like a defensive guy going up there and going up against uh, like an offensive mind, like, like Spencer Riley is, is, will be a lot of fun to watch over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, well, obviously it remains to be seen. I'm, I'm kind of surprised they took a chance like this. Cause I mean, look, Lanning's a great coach and all, but he's never been a head coach mm-hmm. and you're coming off of a, I think people are just so desperate to get into that. Like, Saban, like now Kirby, like tree, you know. See, I wonder if the, if if you would have said that last year, maybe I would have probably still agree with it. But Muschamp, Jeremy Pruitt, I mean, there's been a lot that's been made out of the 2015 tree. But Lane Kiffin was always a great offensive coach. You know what I mean? Like, and Sarkeesian mm-hmm. was already an, a head coach before he got to to Bama. Same with Kiffin. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. I think it was, it was interesting to me because I didn't know if he was going to take an opportunity like that or if he was going to wait around like Kirby did, especially if he was, since he was under Kirby. Um, but it seems like he's doing it the right way too, because he's going to stay through the playoff, uh, you know, and, and we'll see how focused that gets. Like if he was going from Oregon to here in the sec, I would not trust how focused he would be game planning and preparing for a college ball playoff run. But I don't think that it, like Oregon's be like, hey, look, listen, look, we're behind. I'm just like, do whatever, man. Um, yeah. So obviously now this opens up a spot for Georgia to fill. I mean, who knows? You know, it's kind of one of those things with is Kirby really running the defense? Like, will there be right. a lot lost if, from landing leaving um, out just on field coaching? Right. Uh, I, it's tough to say, right? You know, it's it's always tough to say when you have a defensive head coach like Saban or Smart. You know how much is them running the defense versus the coordinator, but um, it'll be interesting to see where Kirby goes for that. Um, a lot of people just think that it's going to be Muschamp. Yeah, uh, that's the natural thought, right? Right. Old Muschamp. Yeah, I mean, there's been a couple people that my man's like, just been at like 15 schools in the last 10 years, and um, you know he'll fucking be a, a head coach somewhere again in like three to four years, four, four, three to four years. Dan Lanning, not the only SEC defensive coordinator to leave for a coaching job. This is mind-blowing to me. <laughs> Mike Elko, defensive coordinator, Texas A&M. You know, it's, it's his time. He get called up to the big leagues to coach mm-hmm. at Duke. I did not think that was happening. I just... <laughs> I mean... Duke is probably one of the worst jobs to have in the country. Has to be right, unless you're a guy like Cutcliffe, who's going to be there, right, until he's ready to retire, right, and and can like you know, Elko's forty four. Now I get if you look at his pictures, he looks like he's sixty four. I definitely thought he was over fifty years old. <laughs> he does not moisturize. Um, but yeah, man, he uh, so Elko goes to Duke. I mean, if you're Duke, that's a home run hire, like. Anything's a home run hire. Dude. <laughs> exactly. You convinced anyone to coach there. That's a home run hire. Right. Um, but really, I mean, for for A and M, like I'm obviously I'm not going to break down Duke's roster here, but um, for A and M, like I feel like the defense has kind of carried them the last couple years. Like I'll be interested to see where Jimbo goes with this. Right. I mean, that, that offense has not been great. No, it hasn't been great. He, I, mean, I will say that he like. They were third in the country in scoring offense this year, right? Um, no, I'm trying to pull it up real quick because I have it in front of me. They were third in the country in scoring offense. Uh, I'm sorry, defense this year. 
I mean, and they've been like fucking stingy, stingy. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like they've been they've been a tough out. Uh, let's see here. I don't see them in the top. They were 28th the year before, and he's been there for four years. And I think the biggest thing when you look at something like this is it's not even like it. It's like the shit we're talking about talking about at Clemson right now. It has way less to do with you know how do you replace a mind like that and like the continuity of what happens or, or like what happens when losing that kind of continuity. And Jimbo has been able to keep him and the OC there for how many years now? Four. Yeah, I think the whole staff has been intact since Jimbo got there. So this is, these are the so Elko's leaving, and then apparently I'm reading here that they're like very highly regarded strength coach is also leaving. Okay, I mean, um, which is interesting. I mean, strength coaches. Um, I think he's going to Oklahoma. Is what is happening there? Really, with Venables, I believe. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh. Interesting, you know, interesting timing. You you got three days till National Signing Day. A and M has a hell of a defensive class committed to them right now, so we'll right. see if that changes anything up. College football is so crazy, man. Like th- this, all these coaches moving around is is causing these last minute changes for these recruits. Um, you're getting transfers. I mean, it's just insane. You know, Jeff Lebby, it's another yeah, SEC Oklahoma. coach going to Oklahoma. Um, what do you think about that? I've I had always heard good things about Levy, um, because Levy was he's a Kendall Bryles guy, I believe. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, I have no idea because I thought they were the same age. But yeah, would, and, and Bryles has to be like the next big name that's going to go, mm-hmm. at, whether it's this year or next. Um, I meant more so the fact that because it, it, I wouldn't say it's a lateral move because Oklahoma is definitely more of a blue blood than Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if that is is more so to like, all right, I I got to get out of. Yeah, but he has to have more control, obviously, of what's going on. Um, maybe his yeah. analytics guy is uh, maybe that's why he left because he was tired of the fucking fourth downs from Giffen. I just I was kind of surprised because I thought he was in a great situation in in Oxford. Yeah, I mean, I think I think when you see these kind of moves, a lot of times it it is what you're what you're alluding to, which is like he he wants to get out from under Lane Kiffin. It's it's everyone looks at that as Lane Kiffin's offense. Right. Yeah. So you get a chance to be your own guy. You're we you're working with a defensive head coach. So you know you're gonna you know you're gonna be able to install what you want to install. And um I think it's a great move for him and I, I think he'll do really well at Oklahoma. I, I'll be yeah. interested to see, you know, Venables, I've been shocked that Venables avoided taking a head coaching job for so long. Something about that tells me that I don't know. Yeah, why do you think that is? I don't want to spread rumors, but I've heard oh I've heard some allegations that there's some off the field stuff with him. Like the fact um, that he looks like a skeletor. Yeah, okay. he does look like a skeletor. But I don't know that to be true, so I'm not going to say what they are. But um, a lot of people have mentioned that that could be a, a potential reason. Okay. But we'll see. I'll be interested to see if he does a good job as a head coach. I mean, he's an excellent, he's the best defensive coordinator in the country, in my right. opinion. Okay. Um, most impressive hire, uh, in your opinion, so far, whether it be a coordinator or a head coach? Uh, most impressive hire? Well, I mean, I think Lincoln Riley's the slam dunk right. of slam dunks. I mean, take that guy who's just an absolutely electric offensive mind and put him right. in USC where you're going to get all that talent in California. Um, that's, that's the no brainer. 
Um, let's see. If I had to think about other moves, I mean, Crystal Ball, I, I will say, is a good move. I think there's the potential for it to not be as good as it looks on paper. But from where Miami was headed, where like they just didn't give a shit about football anymore, that's kind of like they went all in. And even though I hate Miami, like I, I got to give them props. Like they decided to make a move on that. And they're, I did see that it looks like they're not going to get Joe Brady as OC, which I'm personally happy about because that would have been scary. Um, what about the higher, uh, what do you call it, um, that Napier got uh, with, I got yeah, no Corey Raymond? Name wrong. Yes. I, was, I keep wanting to say Corey uh, Ward or Lloyd for some reason. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's a, a phenomenal hire. hire. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a huge hire, and people have been trying to pry him away from LSU for years. Um, I mean, look, we we talked about National Signing Day, and and how much National Signing Day moving up to December really, really screws over teams with new coaches. Yeah. Look no further than your boys down in Gainesville. They are currently ranked seventy eighth in recruiting, yeah. a slot below Arkansas State, just a notch above over there, Illinois. That's not good. It's really not good. I, you know, and I know, and we talked about this on the spaces, but there's, I mean, I think Napier will be good in time, but it's insane to me that as soon as he got a job there, like almost everybody decommitted and he had all these players transfer, like their starting linebacker, Diabite or whatever his name is, a really good linebacker left, Mm -hmm. their top receiver transferred. Copeland's um, in the transport right now, right? Yeah, Copeland. Um, just interesting. I think we'll get it together in time. But this is, I mean, you cannot have a t- uh, a recruiting class ranked in the 80s right? and and, and expect to, to have success immediately. Um, but there's some surprises, man. Well, yeah, I mean, also, real quick, I mean, the end of the class is technically February. So it's not like it's... Sure. You know, I mean, like we saw Pittman at one point, you know, I think he came in and he had like 116th or something crazy. Um, But like that being said, I know that over the past couple of years, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it's been something close to, you know, like 80% of the top 100 or 250 are are gone and committed and signed, not not committed, signed by the end of the early signing period. Yep. So yeah, yeah, if you're a concern, if you're like a, a low four star or high three star and you don't have the offers that you want, in my opinion, it's a better idea to not do early signing day because then there's going to be a team like a Florida or like, I'm, I'm, I know like Miami has a really low recruiting class right now. Or like, if you look at LSU, they're, they're 29th or 25th, right? Which LSU's not, not used to. Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, if I'm, if LSU missed on a linebacker and I'm a linebacker, that's like, decent and i've got offers to you know fau and you know kentucky and cincinnati well now lsu all of a sudden they need a linebacker you know i might be able to get a better offer just waiting um right so you'll we'll we'll see what happens there but national signing day three days away We'll, we'll get into it more when we record this week but right now as it stands the top five no, no real shockers here. Alabama, Georgia, A and M, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Yeah. Also, let's look at the uh, like you look at the top twenty-five because the SEC always dominates the top twenty-five, right? Mm-hmm. What stands out most to me, I'm Missouri. This, that I wasn't even going to say that, but yeah, now that I look at it, yes, <laughs> Missouri. 
Missouri's tenth. They're one. They're one shot ahead of uh, one spot ahead of Florida State. I and, and I had heard that you know they had like been, they had been recruiting at like a really good clip, and and also was I think they were this. I mean, this is the best recruiting class I've ever had, right? Like, and Pinkle was like famous for signing these like two star athletes and turning them into like you know really good safeties. Like they they signed they used to sign a lot of basketball players, like sign like athletes and then just try to turn them into something, right? Um, they get the quarterback from Collins Hill down here in Georgia. The one yep. just won the state championship, or yeah, they won the state championship. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say Kentucky is the other one that stands out to me because they're twelfth. I mean, you're talking they're ahead of Clemson. Yeah. Well, Clemson, that's, Clemson just lost three five stars in the that's same insane. week. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, that's a tough week. Yeah. So they're sadder than Marler. But Arkansas, South Carolina, Tennessee, all in the top twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Um, Oklahoma, which was once a top five. You know, they had everybody decommit when, when Riley left. So right, which they is are cool. also sadder. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, Missouri has Luther Burden. He's the, he's the number one receiver in the country. That's huge. He's from Missouri. But I mean, so you, to win that battle is, is huge for Missouri. Right. And, and you look at just throughout the SEC, or you get the top 25, like you said, LSU 25th, right? But Tennessee at 17. Look, I mean, Hypel just doing work. And then, uh, what's the other one? South Carolina at 16, Arkansas 15. So that's not what there's four Kentucky. And so you have five. And then, and then of course, as usual, it's like, like you said, the usual suspects when you talk about just the top 10, top five in general, mm-hmm. um, if Mizzou can somehow close out with that good of a class, that would be in, incredible, but you have the top three classes in the country, Bama, A&M and, and Georgia, um, all from the sec. So just another phenomenal, I would say start, even though it's kind of not the start of a recruiting cycle for the, uh, the SEC. Yeah. Um, now, there have been some announcements uh, pertaining to the SEC that have been big. Um, specifically today, Hendon Hooker yeah. announced he will return to Tennessee for the 2022 season. Um, we called this at the beginning of the year that that Milton was no good and Hooker needed to be the guy. Now, we couldn't have known that he would have been this good. He was really a revelation for for Tennessee. I mean, when he wasn't playing, they were much worse. They were um, a different team. 26 touchdowns this year, only three picks. Um, top I mean, 20 in QBR. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I mean, Corral had 20. Yeah. I mean, go, anyway, go on. I mean, if you look at his stats before he got to Tennessee, and if you're a Tennessee fan, you want to get excited about what Heupel is able to do. Um, he, he had in 2019, he had 162 pass attempts, 13 touchdowns, two picks, 2020, 150 attempts, nine touchdowns, five picks this year, 261 attempts, 26 touchdowns, three picks, 2,500 yards passing. Um, just a really good year and man, Tennessee fans got to be excited about getting that kid back to be like, so you look at like where he, he stood in the SEC. I mean, he was, he was third in the country in, in passer efficiency rating, which again, I, I, I don't know what goes into that stat, but I will tell you the fact that like any, anything involving stability in a, in a year like this is what, what Tennessee needed more than anything. And, and that's a brutal schedule year in and year out. And he did a phenomenal job, just a phenomenal job. Um, and, and his like, you know, where he ended up ranking in the SEC, I mean, he's up twenty six and three is just stupid, man. That's 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 just stupid. 
it's it's a phenomenal year. I, I feel excited for Tennessee fans to get that kid back. Um, another year in Hypel's system. Should be a fun year um, for Tennessee next year. You know, like we said, top 20 recruiting class right now could only get better on signing right. day. So, um, yeah, arrows up for them. Arrows down for <laughs> Clemson, who... It's just my God. I mean, you want to talk about in one season, things completely changing for them. You went into this season thinking they were going to be an easy playoff team. Um, like every year. Seamless transition from Trevor Lawrence to DJ Ugalele. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they look, they got better as the season went on, but they looked horrific on offense for most of the year. Then the season ends, you lose Brent Venables, you lose your DC. Oklahoma you lose your offensive coordinator to Virginia and you lose your AD to Miami and they also lost their like player personnel like their player development kind of that glue guy on the staff as well right um so he went I think he went to Oklahoma with Venables then they lose three five-star recruits from their um current class and um, there are two two of their starting receivers have hit the transfer portal. Frank Ladson was a five star out of Miami, and then there's a guy with one of the better names out there, Aju Aju, mm-hmm. fantastic name. Um, nobody feels bad for Dabo, I think, unless they're Clemson don't. fans. <laughs> um, but man, t- talk about a turn of events! It'll be very interesting to see. Dabo's always been a kind of a promote internally type guy. Um, I mean, because that's what happened to him, basically. Yeah. You know, he got that opportunity as like the receivers coach, and all of a sudden he's like, becomes the head coach. And it's the single craziest thing I've seen in college football when it comes to coaching is how they've been able to hold on. Tony yeah. Elliott and Venables have been at Clemson each for over a decade. I mean, right? Like just a just a phenomenal job of being able to retain those guys. I do find it weird that everyone's bailing all at once. It it almost feels like something like is in the pipeline. Maybe it's wishful thinking, but. I'm it probably is wishful thinking, but the other <laughs> part of that too is the fact that like there, I mean, Venables leaving for Oklahoma is a great job. Yeah. Going to Virginia. I think that somebody he, said they, their he highest turned like, the Tennessee de- job down last year. See, I don't understand that. And, and, and the fact that he get like, so I wonder how much of it is the fact that, okay, he's got a great opportunity and he did it in a year where his offense was shit. I mean, like you have a five-star quarterback that's one of the top of the country and he doesn't even have 10 touchdowns this year which is, I mean, their offense was horrid to watch. It was awful. Yep. Um, the other part of that is I wonder how much is, is based off of, like you said, like Dabo, because if you're, if you're like leaving for that opportunity for Virginia, I think I saw one tweet about this, that like earlier in the week that was saying something about how like they hadn't, they hadn't like finished or the highest finish. And I could be wrong with this was like 16th. And it was like in the nineties, like not, it was like 96 or something like that or 90, 94, 95. And as you have like the Barber twins, whatever, I just, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just kind of surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'm sure they still, they still have a decent recruiting class. It's still top 20 and they got the number one QB committed still, but uh, it should be interesting to see what happens up there in South Carolina. Um, yeah. Let's see. What else? Anything else on your docket for the week? I know we're going to get into jumping to national signing day uh, on Wednesday. And then also we'll start previewing bowls. Um, but what else did you have on your plate today? I mean, we just, I was mainly 
talk about the Heisman from years past, but I think I've stuttered through way too much at the very beginning. So we're, we're fine. Um, I was going to say, well, we're going to do a, a bowl pick them uh, again. We'll yes. have some fun stuff like that to close out the year. Um, and it'll, it'll be like a really interactive, uh, you know, like we're going to have some, some of the, like, you know, some of our listeners on, uh, like we talked about last week, it'll be a lot of fun. To close we out had the some listeners sure. on the spaces, by the way. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. If you guys, um, if you guys want to, I, th- I highly suggest you do go follow us on Twitter. It's at CFB underscore uncensored. So, um, We've been building that Twitter account for a while. We've got, we're closing in on 17,000 followers on there. Um, And if you follow us, when we go live on spaces, you'll get a notification. And Chris and I are going to try to do this a little bit more where we, um, you know, especially in the off season when we go to, you know, one, one a week, we'll try to to get on spaces more. What's that? I haven't told you that yet. We're going to three. Oh, okay. Yeah. So So Okay. Um, so, so yeah, so it's, um, it's, it's, it's a fun way to interact. It's, it's kind of like you guys being able to leave voicemails, but instead just talk right to us. Um, like radio almost. Yeah, it's cool. So go follow us at CFB underscore uncensored. You can follow me at Tyler Huck. Chris is at Vern Funquist. And, um, yeah, we'll start trying to do that a little bit more, get more interactive with you guys. So, Bull pick them coming up. We got National Signing Day. So remember, here's the just the general rule. Don't tweet at recruits. Yeah. So weird. Oh God. Can't stand when people do that. Very awkward. Um, and I can tell you that uh, you know, Jarvis from Mississippi, if you're tweeting at, you know, Arch Manning to come, you know Come to the say it, brother. Yeah, I don't think that uh that's going to really sway him too much. So there's just the really no look. point. It's not the worst look, but it's not a good look. No. So, uh, so anyways, thanks for listening. And uh, that'll be it for today. We'll be back on Wednesday to drop on Thursday for um, kind of a recap of what's going on with National Signing Day. So, yeah, there you go. Thanks for listening, guys. And we will see you soon.